Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about SEO, how you can get results and win on this game. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Bernard Hong. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Anatoly. Yeah, it's a big pleasure. Check out your videos on YouTube. You do a great job you know, to share uh, content, uh, a lot of skills, valuable information. And uh, for me, it's uh, essential to learn something new. Before we start, just tell a little bit about yourself, experience and background. Sure. Yes. So my name is Bernard. I am one of the co-founders of ClearScope, which is one of the leading content optimization tools. Essentially, we use natural language processing on top-ranking Google content to give actionable recommendations on how to improve content quality, which in turn leads to better rankings. Before this, I was a 500 startups portfolio mentor. So all 500 startup companies all came to me asking for SEO and content help. And I started a SEO agency in San Francisco where I worked with lots of high growth companies like DoorDash, Strava, Teespring, AllTrails, Compass.com, and more, which is where we, my co-founder and I learned a lot about the ever-changing landscape of SEO and why Google is placing a lot more emphasis on content and content that actually helps the users find what they're looking for. Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Nice, nice. Yeah, I love your experience. Uh, love learning. And, uh, you know, um, uh, in most cases, my audience loves uh, to know how to start this game in SEO. Uh, for example, today we have huge competition. Uh, it's around 1.8 billion websites online that want to get organic reach. And yeah, 91% of them, according to HRS, can't do it. They can't get organic reach. Can you tell how to start uh, this process? Because it's a long playing game. You can choose the wrong strategy and go uh, to nowhere, you know, to spend uh, money, resources, time. Uh, and how to find the right strategy? And uh, how do you know that you do the right job to implement it? Now, that that is a very complex question, Anatoly. But I think that you can you can boil it down to a few different criteria. I would say, number one, really ask yourself what kind of business you're looking to run. If you're looking to start a pure search engine optimization website that has the, the sole purpose is to gather organic traffic and monetize it through affiliate or lead generation, then it's going to be a completely different ballgame than another website where your goal is to sell a course or sell a product, sell a service, or another objective could be a mass media website. So I feel like number one is, okay, asking yourself, what is the business model that I want to be implementing for my website? The way that you asked the question made me uh, make an assumption that 
maybe a lot of your audience is looking to start a affiliate website or mm -hmm. internet marketing since that's basically okay if i'm looking to get started i want to use seo that's kind of the tried and true what you hear a lot of people making good money if not insane money off of so we're going to approach it from that angle first and then you can tell me if you want to dive into the other potential business models that you might want to talk about from an affiliate marketer or lead lead generation as a business model using SEO, I would say that the primary goal of getting started on the right foot is twofold. Number one is really carving out a niche for yourself in an area of the infinite possibility of topics that you could potentially pursue. A lot of people, I think, make the mistake of trying to chase after the rainbow when the pot of gold is already being mined by a ton of other affiliates, crypto, non-fungible tokens, keto. You can imagine these are trends that have been very relevant over the last couple of years. And a lot of people might want to jump into those particular trends without doing the research or without actually having a deep understanding of the space. So number one is definitely, okay, you know, of all of the things that you could be doing, who else is doing it? How competitive is that particular niche and industry? And number two is a more intangible thing that you need to be asking yourself. But it's honestly, do you even care about this industry or topic or niche that you want to be pursuing? I think the second and very big mistake that a lot of people make is that they they get into a niche or a, a category that's not that competitive and they think that they have a great opportunity, but ultimately they don't care about that particular topic. You can imagine, right, you might get into prenatal supplements, but do you really care about, you know, helping pregnant women, you know, with with their childbirth care? Maybe, maybe not, but a lot of people end up there. And that leads to the biggest problem, which is that you see you work on it for six to 12 months, you get very little to no results. And then it's just so easy to to throw in the towel and give up and say, you know what, that was a good shot. Like, I don't know why it's not working, but whatever, right? I'm just gonna move on from this. So to sum it up, number one is who else is doing it? How competitive is that landscape and how saturated is it? And number two is, do you actually care about the topic, industry or niche that you wanna pursue? And if you don't, you should probably go and find something that you have some kind of interest in. And those are gonna be the foundations of building a, a nice profitable affiliate or lead generation based SEO website.
You know, even people in North Korea can applaud <laughs> to your performance. <laughs> yeah, love it. And, you know, I couldn't agree more because um, I want to share from my, my personal experience. Uh, if I remember, it's like in 2015, I decided to uh, launch a website in constructive business in Ukraine. But uh, that was interesting. But, um, you know, I, uh, I didn't know anything about constructive. And I was not passionate about that. I just thought I need to earn a lot of money because I saw this opportunity. And three years of investing, wasting a lot of resources, money, I gave up. And it's not because uh, uh, I know the quote, never give up. But if you are not passionate, if you did this mistake, just skip it, forget it and go ahead. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I agree 100%. Of course, you need to love what you do to enjoy time, uh, creating content, to promote website. If you... Uh, don't like it how you can compete with others it will be uh, a hard job you know when you do something hating it doesn't bring any passion yeah and i remember neil patel shares the same uh, about uh, poker he bought a website in poker niche and he didn't know anything about poker <laughs> and he failed yeah but you know it failing only brings a new experience and nothing else yeah love it agreed love it. agreed yeah. yes of course i mean I say it from experience as well, as I've dabbled in in so many different things. And the things that you're not passionate about, you it just becomes a lot more challenging to push the boulder up the hill before it starts rolling down by itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's move uh, forward about uh, creating the right strategy. For example, I'm passionate about niche. I know that I'm going to uh, be patient uh, with getting results. Uh, and uh, I, I always recommend to my clients, don't build high expectations. Nobody knows when we'll get results. And if you are not ready, if you feel that uh, you are not going to wait, just skip it and <laughs> find something else. Yeah. Because SEO is yes. a long game. Uh, but uh, can you tell how to analyze that uh, everything uh, is going right you now during the way for example we can't get organic traffic for a month for a few months sometimes even it takes uh, six months 12 months but how to analyze that uh, we are going in the right way how to analyze uh, these results before getting real traffic yeah so this this is where it, there's a lot a variety of different approaches to how people think about success and leading indicators of success. In my personal experience, there's nothing more demotivating than not seeing any inkling of success. So the strategy that I would recommend from a tactical perspective is actually thinking a lot more about your distribution strategy and relying on places where your target audience or people that you think would want to consume your content are already hanging out. As in concrete example, what you could do is that, and this is what I did for one of my earlier projects, which was a League of Legends coaching website. What we did is we went to Upwork or Elance at the time, and we posted a lot of job postings right, for content and writers. The assignment, however, was very vague in the sense that it was simply, hey, I want you to write about what you're passionate about surrounding League of Legends. It can be any topic that you feel like 
you're interested in and just write me a 1000 to 1500 word piece of content. But the kicker is that what I'm going to do with your piece of content is I'm going to publish it to my blog or resource center, and I'm going to promote it on Reddit for r slash League of Legends, r slash, there was another, I forget what it's called, like Summoner School or something like that. And what I'll do is I will hire you for more work if your piece of content gets above 30 upvotes or whatever is the, the right upvote mechanic or number for the subreddit that you're looking to, to promote into. And that way, what I ended up doing is I turned through like 10, 20 writers very quickly, eventually finding a handful of writers that consistently produce content. I guess what the community loved. And mm -hmm. if the community is loving it, then we got some stuff that was like 200 upvotes, 300 upvotes, got a crap ton of eyeballs. And it actually turned into a recipe that worked really well. It was specifically how certain pros were playing certain heroes. And it was a like step-by-step -step breakdown of the build orders and items and skill sets that they were teching up in in their game for that particular hero and it was just this crazy series that performed super well and we captured so many leads and got so much traffic from it and i mean yes of course right when you're thinking about that from a community first standpoint it's not necessarily going to have that as much search engine optimization demand for that particular uh piece of content but what you're doing is that you're bringing in distribution and thinking about that as a starting point when you're first creating your piece of content. I think that that momentum will then allow you to start to either repurpose some of the content that you've gotten created from a community standpoint that can target some keywords that is relevant for SEO. Or, right, you can then start branching out and creating pure SEO content. But the whole idea is to kind of put some gas on, on the content and really think about distribution from the start. Because mm -hmm. what a lot of people do is that they'll create content and, and build some links to it, but just assume that over time that, that that's going to work. And... I mean, depending on the quality of the links and the quality of the backlinks, it might, but I'm more proactive about spending more resources in, in distribution, right? Social, Facebook, all of these things. And those act as my leading indicators. It's a lot faster to get feedback when you're doing community and social-based content and then taking that and repurposing it into search engine optimization, what that allows you to do is to borrow other people's audiences on Facebook, on that, create buzz, and then start to tackle your SEO content. So that's how I would do it if I were approaching a brand new website from scratch, because we want to be creating content that people like and people want to read, and then getting that traction, getting that momentum, and carrying that over to our search strategy. Yeah, got it. You know, you unhided my loving strategy. 
about repurposing content. <laughs> that was my secret. <laughs> you know, uh, I usually read a lot of blog posts about SEO, digital marketing, and most websites just share content on social media without promotion, without uh, trying to get more engagement, something like this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I usually take their ideas, combine with my experience, create my personal posts, and uh, this simple strategy uh, has helped me to get uh, 90,000 followers on LinkedIn, you know, because of uh, um, I just take their ideas uh, and um, uh, submit this content without backlinks because uh, social media platforms uh, disengage such content, you know, if they have yes. uh, yes, yes. But, <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah, uh, I, I agree about getting social signals. Can you tell more about social signals uh, for Google? Because we know it's not a ranking factor, but, but the impact can be phenomenal, yeah, because of um, covering more audience, and this audience can... Uh, 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 shares content with others to get more uh, real backlinks or uh, to build brand awareness. Uh, why businesses need to pay attention uh, for social media? For example, uh, I check out the data, some study about um, that uh, 95% of customers before buying any products uh, open social media profiles to check out. Uh, some of them are searching for uh, discounts, others just uh, check out uh, is it brand good or not. For example, if you buy on Amazon, probably you don't need to do it. But on other websites, yeah, it's uh, really important to check out uh, it's fraud or not, how you can believe, uh, to analyze reviews. Can you tell more about this social uh, signals? Why websites need to do it? Yeah, so it's a good point. I had tested a while back the impact of social signals on search engine optimization, and I came to exactly the same conclusion that you came to. They are not a direct ranking factor. Back in the day, it was a lot easier to buy likes, buy shares on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, that kind of stuff. So I would basically sprinkle likes and shares from a paid perspective and graph that against the content that I didn't promote via social. And there's no no impact from an SEO perspective that I could measure. That makes a ton of sense because if there were, it would be gamed in exactly the same way that we were approaching that particular experiment. Also, right, Google is not privy to the data that Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn collect. And relying on a third party to inform their algorithm would be rather foolish, which is why Google tried Google Plus, and that was a failure, so it no longer exists. But that was their mark on on trying to do that. That said, I think that social has the implied sense of optics, which is another great point that you brought up. If you're going to do social, do social. But if you're not going to do it, make sure to remove your social presence because this is what I call like the lights are on. If you tried having a Facebook page, and somebody finds out about your business, except you stopped posting stuff to your Facebook page a year or two years ago, what are they going to see when they land on that page? Well, they're going to see that the lights are not on, (laughs) at least on your Facebook page. And that would reflect poorly on the optics for, for your business website. That said, I mean, we're on this social tangent because of 
we were talking about leading indicators, right? And I think that leading indicators, it's nice to get some some traffic, right? I remember when I was like super first getting started, you you set up your Google Analytics and and then you post your your thing on on Facebook or whatever social media that you care about. And then you look at that like real time like feed and you're like, oh my God, like when you share it on Facebook, like one person shows up. It's like, oh, this is so good. So uh yeah, I mean I think social social is good for just getting something out there and getting speed in terms of feedback. And then from a pure SEO perspective, it's not going to have significant impact until you're really way more established. And the reason why that is the case is because of what we would call a, a navigational search on Google or a branded search. So the idea of a navigational search or a branded search is, and we'll go back to this League of Legends example. Say we're creating a ton of content on League of Legends and how people can play certain heroes. And over time, right, we build in a very strong community-based or social feedback loop where a lot of people are interested in the content that we're producing that's distributed through communities and social. Well, you can imagine that and the website that I was making was called Game Runners, that somebody might search in the future, like League of Legends coaching or how to play League of Legends. And they are then looking for my website, Game Runners, because they've seen it populated on their Facebook, on their Reddit that they pay attention to. So they Google how to play League of Legends and they don't see my website game runner showing up mm -hmm. well what they would have to do is they'd be like oh okay well i was actually looking for game runners and so what they're doing then is they're re-googling how to play league of legends game runners and that in seo speak is what people call a navigational or branded search and that is actually single-handedly one of the most important types of searches in terms of influencing Google's algorithm into believing that your website is associated with that particular topic. What users are in basically doing is that they're training the algorithm and saying, a search engine results page that I performed for a keyword that did not include this particular brand was not satisfying. So what I had to do instead was re-perform a search with the brand name to get what I want. And Google's rank brain machine learning algorithm is going to look at that set of user behavior and say, wow, I should strongly consider that website for that keyword. You imagine you do that over and over again to some percentage of threshold, and your brand or website will graduate into ranking for the particular topic or search engine results page for the initial search. So that's a long-winded <laughs> response mm -hmm. to why social and uh, you know community-based content will eventually have an indirect but very strong impact on your SEO strategy. Obviously, if it's being shared and liked much by in, in the algorithms, then chances are it has more of a uh, a potential of generating organic links and and all that other stuff as well.
Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, if we discuss about uh, social media impact, can you tell about uh, direct uh, ranking factors? Uh, where websites need to pay more attention? Content, uh, link building, uh, the parameter it, uh, but it's probably not direct, but it's okay. No. <laughs> uh, from your experience. Uh, yeah. What we need to do first uh, and second, or probably you have your checklist, technical issue and something like this. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be an SEO on your show if I didn't say it depends. So clearly <laughs> it depends on a lot of different ideas mm -hmm. and things. I think the best way that I can break it out for you in a framework, which I will also deliver as as the show as a course to you eventually is um the what stage in the the ranking uh the ranking like funnel you're in so if you're in the top 50 like not top 50 if you're 50 or above in terms of ranking for the keyword that you're interested in, then I believe that you have a topical authority or backlink problem. So if you're top 50 or if you're 50 or above or not even on Google, then it's either a technical SEO, a backlink or a topical authority mm -hmm. problem. So if you're not even on Google, right, you probably have to ask yourself, is this page even being crawled? Can Google access it? And you know, is there something wrong with the, the web page? But personally, I view most technical SEO as, as a negative, like as a penalty that Google applies on your website. So you can imagine what Google's looking at is a whole variety of different factors. You can say, okay, this website has strong backlinks, plus 200. It has great content, plus 500. The page loads slowly right, that's a technical SEO concern, minus 100. The page is not mobile friendly, minus 50. The page is not secure, minus 200, right? So when you fix technical SEO, for the most part, what you're getting rid of is, is depth that Google is applying to your website. So again, if you're not even on Google, it's probably <laughs> some kind of a technical SEO, topical authority or backlink problem. Obviously, there's lots of ways that you can diagnose your technical SEO, and we don't really need to get into that on, on the show. I think the, the more interesting thing is, okay, from a backlinks perspective or a topical authority perspective, which one is you know, more important and, and not? If you're just getting started, then it's a backlinks problem, right? The mm -hmm. reason why Google is not ranking you in the top, you know, on the front page of Google is that they don't have confidence that your website is reputable and respectable. And mm -hmm. right, if they did, then Google's algorithm would be, you could imagine, just spammed and gamed all, all the time, where people would just buy fresh domains that are exact match and then <laughs> rank them immediately for the target keyword that they care about. So that's kind of the, the Google like sandbox. So if you're, again, 50 or above, then you want to build a handful of links. And then I would look at Google Search Console as the authority of what 
is going on in your site. So you'll have your little average position, little dot on, on your keyword or your page. And then you'll see if you look at it again, just getting started, that Google is sampling your content sporadically in mm -hmm. the search engine results page, right? You might see it blip one time, like served one impression on one day at position 52, and then it disappears. And then you might see it blip again, you know, position 43, one impression three days later, something like that. So what Google is essentially doing is that they're evaluating your content with real users engaging whether or not a search engine results page that gets constructed with your search result is actually doing the search engine results page net benefit or net harm. This is why people run around saying user engagement signals is very important to Google's algorithm, although Google flatly denies that you, they use things like click-through rate and average time on page. All of that makes sense. If you think about what's happening from a search engine results page perspective and subsequent actions that get performed. So you can imagine right at page 43 or at page four or five with your result at 43, one legitimate user logged into Google, right? Certified by Google's algorithm that this is probably a legit user went to that page. They saw your result and they didn't click. And that makes sense because, right, it's on the fourth or fifth page of Google. So your goal in this particular paradigm of being, you know, 50 or above is to increase Google's likelihood or confidence that your content is likely to be good and should belong on the first, second, or third page of Google. And how you do that is by building backlinks, saying, look, check it out. This page is worth checking out because other people are linking to it. And that's why you should check it out again. And that'll make Google go, oh, okay, interesting. Maybe it's worth testing that particular result on the second or third page. And you can imagine there's a lot more legitimate users that make it to the second or third page of Google. And you're going to accrue a lot more data where people might end up clicking on your piece of content and you know, staying engaged with the piece of content, which we would say is, again, another indirect factor. If somebody stays on your page for a long time, chances are they're finding more of what they needed. And guess what? They're not going back to Google to perform a subsequent action given that search engine results page. So typically, again, 50 or above, check your technical SEO. If everything is like green check marks across the box, then it's probably a backlink problem, if not a topical authority problem. The topical authority problem is uh, why we built ClearScope, but it refers to this idea that, okay, a piece of content that talks about credit cards, as an example, but doesn't include MasterCard, American Express, and Visa, is likely to be a really crappy piece of content. So, mm -hmm. right, Google's looking at your backlinks and saying, okay, Right, this website has good enough backlinks in comparison to everybody else that I'm trying to sample for the first, second, or third page. And they might put you there, but they'll also check your topical authority and say, okay, well, you talked about credit cards, but you didn't say American Express. 
this that's that's not good because we know mm-hmm. credit cards and American Express go go hand in hand. So they might even if you have a strong backlink profile, say, okay, like forget it. You're not you don't deserve to rank on the top three pages because that's a very important concept. It's there's one more layer of nuance that I do want to point out here, which is uh, topical authority at a web domain level. And that's to say that websites that perform well for a given topic will automatically perform well for related topics. The best example I can give with credit cards and nerd wallet is nerd wallet, right? Nerd wallet could literally create any piece of content surrounding credit cards that actually could be the crappiest piece of content on, you know, the best travel rewards credit cards because it doesn't actually include American Express, blah, 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 blah. But Google's still going to look at that and say, okay, lots of backlinks, existing content inventory, very good for credit cards. So they'll place it at position one, two, or three on Google and start sampling that way, like down and saying, okay, if this is in the top three spots, you know, are people finding what they needed? If they're not, then that result starts to decrease over time. So it kind of works both ways. Uh, Once you've built up a strong content inventory surrounding the topic, you're going to just initially rank very well and vice versa, right? Because you don't have a strong inventory of content that's performing well, given the topic, Google does not have confidence that your website should deserve to rank on the first, second, or third page. And you have to constantly give Google that confidence by either acquiring backlinks or making your content better or improving the existing performance of your content inventory for related topics. And that's how you play the 50 or above game. Yeah, got it. Valuable. Yeah, love it. Love it. Yeah, great explanation. Uh, 10 years ago, uh, probably even 12 years ago, when uh, I had new clients, I told them, just create commercial content. And uh, that worked well for any keywords. You know, worked well. We uh, promoted this content. We bought more backlinks than any <laughs> anybody else. And yeah, but today it's not. Uh, I can't buy backlinks because uh, it's probably obsolete technique today. Uh, I know that some people can get results, but uh, yeah, in most cases, it doesn't work from my experience. Uh, and um, uh, what about user intent? Uh, I remember when we created commercial content and uh, got rankings for any keywords, uh, informational, transactional, it doesn't matter. What about today? How to learn user intent, uh, probably I think uh, we can open SEMrush to analyze uh, uh, on the list. Uh, we have some special column with uh, user intent, but um, I think it's better to check out manually and uh, how you provide this job to analyze user intent and tell uh, your customers uh, that we need to create uh, something like this, uh, such content. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are these are these are the questions. I'm glad I'm glad you're asking them. Mm-hmm. So honestly, right? And again, people people are going to game this as as they do. But the best way to understand user intent is really to have deep subject matter expertise, right? I've postulated many times that 
we can create a piece of content that is like Google Ant can go to hell and it will rank for Google Ant, which it does, right? If you Googled Google Ant, which AMP stands for Accelerated Mobile Pages, another experiment that Google did specifically for publishers that a lot of people thought would help with SEO, which kind of did, but kind of did it, but it was, was really complicated to implement. And lots of SEOs basically got fed up with Google AMP and wrote, Google AMP can go to hell because of all these different reasons. And it ranks, right, for Google AMP. And now Google AMP is being like kind of deprecated to a certain degree. So the most holistic manner of, of user understanding user intent stems from a very deep understanding of the topic or subject matter that, that you're writing about, which means that you can essentially predict the future. That's mm -hmm. what user intent is, is saying. Basically, I'm saying when I write a piece of content that is about a topic, but not about a keyword that I believe will be true in the future, whether it's mm -hmm. three, six or 12 months from now, I'm basically predicting future user intent. And that will rank for the topic if I'm right. If you Googled learn to code, I think result two or three is a TechCrunch article that says, please don't learn to code, right? If you were just thinking about it from a classical SEO standpoint, learn to code would be beginner's guide to learning to code, you know, ultimate guide to learning to code, blah, 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 right? All of these things. And you would never see an article rank in the top spots for don't learn to code, right? And you can imagine the reason why that's happening is because a lot of people are interested in learning to code because people who code, at least historically in the last five years, have made uh, like armloads of money, right? And it's like the hottest new career because software engineering is so hot. Except TechCrunch's piece is literally saying, look, don't learn to code if what you're chasing is a big pile of money, right? Coding done right requires a certain skill set and a certain way of thinking and just getting into coding for the sake of making a bunch of money would be like you know the 20 or 30 years ago thing where everyone was trying to be doctors and lawyers to just get a pile of money and a lot of those have ended up with people being burnt out or having midlife crises whatever so Again, this is to recap, the most holistic way to understand user intent is to have a very deep subject matter expertise of the particular topic that you're writing about. And then understanding that when you provide a perspective that is truly unique and thought leadership based, that should you be right, that piece of content will rank for the topic that you, you go after. That said, there is a variety of frameworks that you could adopt to pretend like you have subject matter expertise in the particular topic that you're writing about. And a lot of that does involve looking at the search engine results page and intuiting the different variations of what somebody is likely to care about for the given topic. As an example, we can bring up the contrarian framework Right? If everybody is saying, this is good, this is good, this is good, then you can imagine that you can come in and say, are we sure this is good? Or 
this is bad and here's why. And right, that's a framework in that some people might care about that particular perspective and should you be right or whatever, that doesn't matter. You're just covering now your perspective base or your user intent base, like then whatever, just create that piece of content. And if that happens to be true, great, we have a piece of content on it. So I'd say that, right, and SEOs are, are starting to game this and saying, okay, you know, for, and another one is an experience viewpoint. And this works really well for consumer packaged goods and supplements and diets, right? It's like if somebody Googled keto diet or CBD oil, it's not just like, what is the keto diet? You're going to start to see results that are like, I tried the keto diet for one month and here's what happened. Or I tried CBD oil and here's how it affected my sleep. And right, that's to say that when somebody searches for a consumer packaged good or something that's more experiential, then providing a real person point of view on that particular topic is going to do well because people don't want to know just what is the keto diet and what are the benefits associated with it. They want to know, okay, you know, what happened when you did it and, you know, what's your body type and how did you measure like what was going on in, in your, in your system. So I would say that user intent then is like when you do a manual search engine results page, like look, and you're saying, oh, wow, like people are interested in this contrarian viewpoint or people are interested in this experience viewpoint and you replicate that or copy that, you're essentially just being back on the bandwagon, right? You're not creating anything new, which is why I go back to the original thesis of user intent, which is deep subject matter expertise. If you're the first one to say, don't do that or you know, this is what's good and here's why, and I tried it and whatever, then you're setting the pace for what will be three to six months from now. Whereas when you start replicating uh, user intent, then you're kind of playing catch up or skyscraper again, where you're saying, mm -hmm. okay, I see that that works and I'm just going to do it better. And again, that's not bad, but it is sort of playing catch up. And then, and then when you do this enough, what you start to see is patterns, right? And you can say, oh, wow, okay. Well, this search en engine results page about this topic has not evolved to this other thing that I've seen for this other topic. So you can then start applying what you've learned from other topics into topics that haven't evolved or shifted yet. And then that's kind of where this like search perspective framework thing really becomes, becomes powerful. So just to recap, the, the best way is, is to have a deep subject matter expertise of what you're talking about to begin with. The second best way is to manually inspect what's happening on search engine result pages for the topics or keywords that you're interested in. And then the third way is to then start to construct pattern recognition and applying what's happening to other topics to your topic before it happens. And in that sense, you're trying to predict the future, but using like existing patterns of what users are likely to care about given a topic's evolution path. So, right, when something first comes out, people will wanna know, what is it? Like non-fungible tokens, what are those? 
then it becomes super hot, right? And people are gonna wanna know, you know, like, are we sure like these are here to stay, right? And then they stabilize or not, right? Then you could see it split. It could be like, these are a scam, stay away from them. Or it becomes mainstream adopted and people just say like, oh, here's how to get into non-fungible tokens or stay away from them, they're a scam. And then you can see, right, that topics have a lifespan and a life cycle of perspectives or subtopics that users are going to graduate towards based on the evolution of the topic at hand. And the savviest of SEO say, well, why don't we just create content at, at, at like any specific like juncture of splits in terms of what the user could care about? And then it doesn't matter what happens to the topic because we have content that serves the entire life cycle of how a topic will evolve. Yeah, nice, nice. I love your explanation. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. You know, you <laughs> even replied to my next question you know, about <laughs> the future of SEO. So uh, let's ask another question about uh, how to learn SEO. It's the final question uh, from your experience. Yeah, which way is better to learn SEO? Yeah, for our audience. Uh, yeah. So again, it depends on what your goals are. But honestly, the best way to learn SEO is to practice SEO, right? Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily just kind of do a lot of Googling or, or consume a lot of courses or, or that kind of thing. The best way that you're going to understand the nitty gritty of SEO is first by starting your own website or working on SEO for a website. And then the second best thing to learn SEO is to actually work on SEO for a different website. So what you end up learning at least for one website, ultimately kind of can get you into trouble. Because again, what with SEO, a lot of what works depends on what you're working on. And so you might build up this, we'll call it bad habit, of thinking that what you did for the first website that you worked on is exactly what you need to be doing for subsequent websites that you want to be working on. This gets pretty apparent especially if you work on SEO for large established websites. We see it all the time. Somebody you know, worked on SEO at Amazon or Netflix or whatever, and then they go and they're like, yeah, I can do SEO for a brand new website. And they absolutely can't because the SEO concerns for an Amazon or a Netflix is way different than the SEO concerns for a brand new website or subsequently, mm -hmm. The same thing, right? You do SEO for a brand new website within a niche or an industry. And and you think that, okay, it's like, okay, you know, eat. Eat is super important. Expertise, authority, trustworthiness, blah, blah, blah. But to be completely frank, you know, eat is only super valuable for a very specific set of industries, right? The ones that greatly intersect with your money and your life. So you might be placing way more eat then you should be on another website that you start doing SEO for that's not necessarily a industry that really cares a lot about expertise, authority, and trustworthiness. So the best thing, in my opinion, to do is to work on SEO as like on as many websites as you can. And I actually think that you know doing SEO consulting 
is actually one of the best ways to to get that that experience and to get that exposure, right? Because it's your job to go and diagnose, you know, five, 10, 15 different client websites and really try to understand why their their content or why their SEO is not not doing what it should be doing. And then you're like, oh, well, with that website, it was technical SEO debt. Or with that website, you know, we need more eat. And with that website, it was brand new, so we needed more backlinks. With that website, they had too much crappy content, so we had to prune a bunch of it to improve the website's topical authority on the topic that it was writing about. And so you just realize that, I mean, you know, SEO is not a one-size-fits-all equation, and that everything is has its own nuances, and learning all of those nuances and getting that into your system sooner rather than later is actually the the best way i mean that said i came from right the background of reading moz guides and and consuming courses and whatnot and i had a very rigid way of looking at seo until i started working on a bunch of different client websites and that's where i was like ah yes different search queries deserve different criteria and different SEO optimizations, just depending on right what what we're looking to achieve. Nice, nice. Okay, guys, I want to remind we are going to launch our course, <laughs> and Bernard uh, is filming a video for this course. Yeah, uh, you can see that we can learn a lot of valuable insights. Uh, yeah, a big pleasure, Bernard, to have you on my show. Absolutely. Uh, Love uh, learning everything that you uh, share with us. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening, watching us. Yeah, it, it's a big pleasure to see you, you know, yeah, uh, active audience. Uh, and yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.